This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I'm joined from Whakatane by Moera Karatai. Kia ora, Moera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. I don't know about you, but I am still buzzing from Friday. Oh, I am too. You know, like, you, you kind of, I don't know how it is for you, but I can tell you that for me, I've come on this academic journey that I've been on for the last 15 years to be part of making change. And I feel like on Friday, it all just came together and we were part of making change at the very beginning, but still, it's the beginning. Do you want to tell people, or our guests at least, what we did? Oh, okay. So on Friday, um, we, oh, kia ora Mark. Mark is our guest. <laughs> uh, we, on Friday, uh, Sam and I ran a, uh, workshop at the end of a computing education conference in Christchurch. So the conference finished on Thursday and we offered to, uh, we had submitted a paper and we offered to run a workshop related to the paper and we got a phenomenal turnout um, of people from uh, all over industry, um, tertiary education, uh, secondary education, leadership in the education space. Uh, and it was an incredibly eclectic group of people uh, and we ran a workshop basically that helped them to, to to see why education, computing education, needs to be rethought and focused on the kind of professionals that we want to achieve, that we want to have at the end of it. So it, and it, the, the feedback has been stunning. The, um, the program itself was amazing. And, yeah, I just feel pretty blown away, really. Pleased to hear. And yeah, hope, hopefully, it, hopefully it'll get legs. Yeah, I think oh. it can't help but get legs because because it actually ended up being something that was part of making change happen. And when that happens, it's such an extraordinary thing. Um, it, you're not allowed to just let it die. That would be really wrong. Exactly. And we nearly introduced him, but let's do it properly. Oh. Who are we introducing today? It is my great pleasure to introduce socialist petrol head, Mark Baxter. Mark, welcome to the show. Awesome. <laughs> hey, thank you, team. Uh, I, I won't say my experience as a computer science because I, I, I last did it when there was like one girl in our lectures in, in the 80s. <laughs> so it, it's not, it's not that much school. different now, Mark. No, it's oh, really God, not. I was just thinking that. <laughs> it's much the same. Oh, is that one of the things you nearly accidentally got a degree in? Oh, well, kind of, but no, no. But but it is why I entered student politics in, in a roundabout sort of a way, because 
our department was very elitist in Dunedin, and they did things like gave you zero points for, for getting 90% of a circuit right, but, you know, you have one diode wrong, so it wouldn't it wouldn't work, obviously, but that's not worth zero. You, you know, that, that was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, I've known you for a long time, and we had you on the show some time ago. What have you been up to? Uh, well, still building that succulent and cactus garden slowly but surely there. And, um, oh, that, that, that little list that went around saying who was a, you know, a, a good left-wing candidate and who was not such a good left-wing candidate there that, that people may have heard of in Dunedin. Indeed. And it turned out to be quite a good predictor or perhaps influencer of the people of that persuasion that got in. Indeed, I'd like to think that's mostly from their own work. But, yeah, looking at it, it it's a bit scary how much effect it possibly did have because uh, – yeah, and, and next time uh, I'm going to put more oversight in place as well as an aside. So like The whole choices didn't come down to one guy's choices and his dingy old flat and even there. So this is – what's it called? Is it Baxter's Guide to Progressive – Lefty voting in Dunedin. Got multiple names along those lines because it, it it originated particularly from when we adopted STV. People, STV is great, don't get me wrong, but people are like, "Oh my God, I have to know about these twenty eight candidates now." Uh, I don't really care. I only know three of them. What do you think, Baxter? I'm like, well, ha, yes, indeed, <laughs> I have an opinion on that. Here's the ones I will be voting for for left wing reasons and. Here's the ones you should avoid because they're right-wing nutters. And um, I, I, and I just published that for my friends on Facebook and, and people asked for it and it's just grown incredibly popular ever since. There's nothing more than uh, my opinions. People, you know, don't put too much weight on it. I, I don't know everything. I went in and out of that document to look up details for people that we had on the show and things. And – Notice that almost any time I went into it, there were, because it's on a Google Doc, there were five, six, seven other little icons popping up. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, um, I, I think only in the early hours of the morning was no one looking at it. I wonder if you could quantify that. It would be interesting to find out just, just how many people were looking at it. I, I, for my own interest, I, I wanted to know as well. And, um, I couldn't get those figures. Like I used to put it as a Facebook note, but that's gone. So I used the Google Docs, and Google was pretty good on most stuff. And when I saw that, it's like, oh, clearly they'll have a statistic. <laughs> no, but I can't find anything, sadly. But they're constantly they're, there's, you know, four or five anonymous icons plus another four or five looking at it there. So how do you go about making such a list? Uh, well, um, it's it's not just me. There there is ghost writers involved, but um, so it involves doing a load of research on not just what the candidates say about themselves, but for ones who are in position. Obviously, there's a voting record. Uh, you know, you do some internet stalking to make sure people are what they say they are, uh, and also there's there's like a a tip-off line, as it were, where people who have worked with people or whatever will say, hey, you know, 
I have concerns about that or this person's awesome on that and, and that sort of thing. Because the candidate booklet statements are pretty bland. You can't tell a lot from oh, them. Or maybe you can. That, that, I mean, and, and that is where my guide come from is, as you know, I, I'm a, a wild raving left winger and, and everyone knows I'm involved in politics. And uh, I think it was 2013, back then, when literally, if you just read all the bland statements, like, I support public transport, you know, without saying how or why, you you really, you couldn't tell if half the candidates were left or right leaning. And that, that's when my buddies were like, hey, you know half of these tosses. What, what's the story? Do you think that there is an ideal? Is 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 everybody aiming for some perfect candidate descriptor? Is is that why they're becoming so bland because they are now following a formula? Well, I probably yes, because local bodies like to pretend they don't have politics involved, which, which is just utter rubbish. You know, obviously people are either you know right or left wing, and that will affect the important decisions they make on council. But uh, in New Zealand, we like to pretend oh, all parties have very little to do with local bodies, and, and which is just bizarre. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have a Discharge, Protest and Survive. Why this one? Uh, well, uh, to me, protest is, you know, very important in representative democracy. It, it, it's part of, you know getting your message across. Not everyone can afford lovely big billboards or ads in the paper. Uh, and I, I think it's even more important when the right wing are in control.
think we talked about this last time you were on. Do you think we've lost the art of protest or has it just become more more subtle or nuanced? Um, I, I really struggle with that question. I, I think in many ways we have, but in, in many ways it's changed. Like younger people will do things differently and that for them is just as valid. And just because I don't understand it doesn't you know, make it any less valid. But also I think our generation have become a lot more complacent. We, you know, we, we're going to be the next boomers who are mocked and possibly rightly so. Talking about generations, you've just reminded me whose birthday it is today. Happy birthday, Mawera. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> it is number 51 for me. And uh, and I must say, I feel I was reflecting that my last birthday, I weighed 30 kilos more than I do right now. So I'm actually feeling pretty chuffed and pretty happy with life and, yeah, no complaints. And I got to cook for all my mountain bike family today, so I love that. Awesome. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. So, Mark, the, the City Council, are you hopeful of its direction? Am I hopeful of its direction? Um, yeah. I, I don't think it's as bad as some people think. Like, um, so... Uh, obviously, the left-wing mayor lost by by quite an amount, but the council itself, uh, that's still reasonably balanced. Like, uh, it comes down to a, a, a seat and a candidate who sort of flips and flops both ways. So the right wing, they can set the agenda because they won there, and they've got a much bigger voter base than they did before, but they're not going to get everything their own way. I think that the the claims of a landslide for the mayor are missing some of the understanding of STV because it was a landslide with three candidates left. I I I want I'd want to see the final numbers. I know and have a proper breakdown before I can. But uh, I I mean the right wing did do a very good job of picking away at, you know, parking and roadworks and, 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 and they they have stirred that pot for the last couple of years and, and, and that served them very well and they, they've won with that being a large part of why people voted for it. But, you know, if a city's most important election issue is parking, I mean, that's a pretty well-off city, isn't it, you know? <laughs> and there's a couple of... New people on the council, one in particular, that's with Mandy uh, May and Bullock. Uh, yeah, so, so how I break it down is there's seven left-aligned candidates, and that includes Mandy, and the six right-aligned – oh, sorry, they're not candidates now, they're, they're, they're <laughs> the six right-aligned candidates – there's one centrist one, and of course, there's also the the chair who's right wing, but you know, only I assume only votes on a casting matter. So fun times will be had. Indeed, and the the regional council looks all right. Uh, now it looked it was it was one vote in it all weekend, but Alexa has pulled through in Queenstown. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah. And and that's great. And uh, 
on top of that, the Dunedin ward sort of bucked the national trend of, of, of moving rightwards. It, 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 uh, it, it's good incumbents got re-elected and it elected some relatively good, excuse me, uh, some relatively good left-wing uh, uh, candidates. So um, I, I guess kind of good that they still control buses, a, a blessing in disguise. <laughs> it was pleasing to see Elliot Weir come through so well. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know Elliot well, but pr- what I do know, I, I'm yeah, I, I look forward to I look very much forward to seeing what happens there. He seems smart and very left-wing. We've seen a what step to the right. <laughs> oh, sorry. Couldn't help myself. <laughs> We've, se- sorry, We've seen a step to the right around the country. What's it about? Uh, I, I, uh, yeah, a step to the right and a step against incumbents. I assume that... Um, Three Waters was a large part of that, even though many of the incumbents and lefties weren't actually supporters of the Three Waters reform or or had criticisms of it. Um, that, that sort of got lost amongst the redneck racist criticisms of it, I, I fear, is probably the truth. Do you think that the rest of the country should start using STV or is it... Is it just too hard for people? I'm just, it's, it's not hard for people at all. Everyone has an opinion on who they like better than someone else. Like making a top 10 list and ranking people is easy. That That's not hard. The maths behind it is hard, but we, you know, we have computers now. You know, no one has to do the maths. So um, I, STV gives you the strength of, of ranking candidates in the order you like them. If, if you had to resort on FPP, what you're really saying is I like all these candidates equally because you could vote for one who you only sort of marginally support in reality and they could actually displace the, the candidate you most wanted. Right? FPP's mathematically archaic. It's gone. That was what made me uh, – I, I, I worried about that with the voting for the regional council. I thought, should I, I – there's, uh, no, there's four I definitely like. Should I stop at four because I don't want these other two to bump them out the way? That, that, and that's exactly what I did. Like, uh, if you're a a strategic voter or a smart voter with FPP, that that is what you have to do. You have no choice. And although I have strong, it's unprecedented. There's like about eight candidates I'd like to vote for. But uh, I only voted for four to most strategically get the ones I wanted to the top. Mawira, did it, the voting work in Bay of Plenty? No. The voting in the Bay of Plenty has been, um, it's actually really concerning. And Mark, actually, I'm re- really interesting to hear your take on this. Um, we in the Eastern Bay of Plenty had around 20% of votes returned. 20%. I think that, that makes it a lottery, whether it's STV or FPP. That, yeah, that's, it does. So our, our new mayor was elected with about 3% of voters electing him. 3% of eligible people elected our mayor. Um, and he is an amazing person, incredible scientist, and, you know, a, a, a great, you know, great skill set. But 
just because three percent of people decided that he should be the mayor does that mean he's going to be the best for our community and does he really reflect what our community needs at the moment and wow. it, it's deeply that's concerning that yeah no that that's i is is there any reason for the disenfranchisement of i like i've i've no understanding of it we are a really fractured uh, broken community post covid um, it's also, do you know, one of the weirdest things is even when I went to post my ballot slips, um, it took me about half an hour to find somewhere I could post them because I went into town to uh, to post them in the town letterbox. I couldn't find anywhere nearby to park and I've got arthritis so I, it's hard for me to go on a big walk. Um, so then I went to all the places where I thought the little the boxes were but I couldn't find any, they're all gone. And so, so we, and our council building is currently closed down because they're rebuilding it. So you couldn't even take it into there. So there's like that. There's that barrier. Or all of our rural communities have lost their post boxes too. So there's the barrier of where do you post it? And and I think that there there just wasn't the, the community seemed just unwilling to engage. And I wonder if if we can shift to digital, if that's going to make the difference. And I, I, I wonder if it will. And I'm interested to see what happens at this next census because we started with digital census last census. We've got a census coming up. Um, and if there is a better response in the digital world to that, then, then I'm inclined to say, actually, that's what the problem is. But I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. I, I would actually like to... That I, I think the problem is more, from what I can see from the, or what it sounds like from the outside, the problem surely is more than just access. Like that lower number, there, there is like people do not give a toss, or they would have overcome those access issues if, if they felt invested and empowered to that, that their choices would, you know, make a difference. So. I, I'm not saying don't go digital. I mean, obviously we will, and when security is sorted, I'm all, all totally for that. But I, I don't think it's a magic bullet for disenfranchisement. No, and that, and I, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out what is like we, you know, we actually had a pretty reasonable voter turnout last time, but yeah, this time is it because of people have just become just over all things political because of COVID and all the politics around that or, you know, like it's just so hard to know what the problem is. But to me, what's just and, happened in the Bay of Plenty is absolutely dire. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the situation there at all, but we have to remember sometimes it's not a problem as well. Like lots of people point their finger at student politics and say, oh my God, only 20% of students vote. They don't, and it's like, well, Sure, but you know, the the CAF and the gym are still going to be there no matter who's president. So, yeah. only people who are, if there's a significant issue, will people vote? And local bodies, to me, although those issues are important to me, and I think they should be important to everyone else, many people don't so much see them as important. They're like, oh, my, my only vote that counts is, is, is for government, and they rule everything. Maybe yeah, I'm not saying maybe that. life in the Eastern Bay is actually pretty good at the moment. Like we've got the lowest unemployment we've ever had. 
we've um things are going really well um there's the opportunities are there for everybody maybe the, maybe the situation is that people didn't engage because they didn't see the need for change but then we've seen change everywhere yeah but we've seen hardly any change here we've got the same councillors We've got a couple of extra regional councillors, um, but that's because other people stood down, so other pe so new people filled their spaces. Uh, we've got the, exactly the same councillors on Fakatani District Councils that, that we had. We've just got a new mayor, who was a councillor. Yeah. So, um, and I think the same can be said on all Portiki and in Kawido as well, like uh, those rural communities that that are closest to us. They have just haven't had significant change. So maybe there's something in Bubble there. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, ko I hope you're all happy to stay before superstars in your beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around this journey that we're on together, proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, unique here, making things. Thank you. Now I know that for us all, the last more than two and a half years have been very troubling and tiring and taxing. And we've had to traverse and travel many new landscapes. We've had to explore many new strategies of doing, seeing, feeling in order to get this time. And many of us continue to suffer the after effects of this navigation process. I know for myself I've spent nearly the last six months processing and have been diagnosed with long COVID and all sorts of things. I'm finally starting to come right which is very exciting and so I've had a wonderful day today being able to explore more at Orokunui Eco Sanctuary, my beloved heart's home place, after having worked in the cafe which is very exciting and then going to the gym and then going paddleboarding and then completely by chance while wandering on the glorious St Clair Beach coming across my dear friend Jivani who is an amazing zoologist and she was there filming and audio recording a beautiful leopard seal so we had a wonderful time and I heard all about her research and the seal sang to us which was incredible and it's only the third time that that's ever been recorded in the whole of history so it was very very exciting. And of course it got me thinking about our beautiful kāinga, our beautiful rohi, our beautiful home here in Aote Dunedin and how lucky we are that it's populated by all these tānga species from leopard seals to kāka and tākehe and tuatara and all sorts at Orkanoi. But of course not only those very rare and endangered native species but also all of us, all the people that make up our home and the biodiversity within this realm is also very important. It's important that everybody has the opportunity to come together and express their views and of course it's very important that everybody has the opportunity to vote and I hope that everybody has taken this opportunity. And it's very important that whatever the outcome of that, we all work together to make the best possible future unfold. And I know for myself, of course, the living world always takes priority for me. I know the human world is a, a beautiful creation, construction, highly important and crucial for our survival also. But the living world, of course, is the foundation of all life. And 
has made our lives possible and continue to do so. So for me, all our time, all our energy, all our resources, all our technologies must feed back into service of the living world. And by caring for this, of course, we enrich the health of the people. And for me, I know that space of nature is the place that I've found the most connection and healing throughout my life. And I want to know that it will be available for my children, my mokopuna, all of my descents, that that beautiful nature connection will be strong and be forged at an early age because they'll be up a tree or in the sea, frolicking about, finding their own moments of magic and connection, like the singing sea lion under the full moon in Aries. Incredible. So, of course, wherever you're finding meaning today, I really hope that it is uplifting you and unburdening you from the heaviness of the last two and a half years that we can start to feel we're emerging back into the light. And there's so much to celebrate and there's so much to explore and there's so much to really enjoy anew with fresh eyes. Of course, being part of this show for me is so special. So I want to say a huge thank you to Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team for having me and to all of you. And I really hope that wherever you are and whatever's happening around, you're having a great, beautiful day. And I look forward to talking again soon. Thank you. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Mark Baxter. Mark, we've seen a rise of misinformation and disinformation over the the last couple of years or the last more than that years did we see its face in local government uh, well, in, in Dunedin absolutely like like uh, I, I was all prepared for the question who do you see as the winner and, and I was going to say well misinformation was the winner and, and that that's not just me being bitter that, that the left lost the mural position but there's there's some outrageous misinformation out there, like some basic examples being that we had those silly dots painted on the road as a COVID measure. We did support them or not, they, yeah, who cares? But on, on social media, everyone says, oh, they cost 40 grand. That, and, and that's absolute rubbish. They cost ratepayers two grand. But uh, in groups, uh, Facebook groups like Dunedin News, the, the the fake news that they cost forty grand has just it's just allowed to go without being challenged. That's it's not unusual. And, and then there's the councillors who disagree with George Street being made one way. They will you know point out the eighty million dollar cost, uh, and they'll conveniently leave out the fact that you know sixty million of that was doing drains and sewers and electrical work under the road. That's overdue, and, and that had to happen anyway. And, you know, would have cost that completely irrespective of what we put back on the top after that work were done. I mean, that when you imply that that cost $80 million, that that's deceptive. It's not the whole truth. You're leaving facts out to, you know, give voters the wrong impression. And then there's the, um, the candidates who made claims uh, that, you know, that have powers as mere that, that they wouldn't have, like... Uh, the one-way streets, it, it's not Dunedin mere decision. It, they're State Highway 1, that's up to transit. It, likewise, the site, likewise, the cycleways on them, it's transit's road. It's up to them to decide the safety issues. And, and whatever the Dunedin mayor feels is inconvenient and gets in the way of safety, too, too bad. It, it's not their choice. 
people do seem to have a strange idea of what the the mayor and the councillors actually do. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and that annoyingly, as some candidates have, have fed that incorrect belief of, of what powers they have. And on your list that we started um, talking about at the start, you did have a flag for the Voices for Freedom or potential Voices for Freedom candidate. This is the crowd. I, I think the concern was not their not their policies as such, but the connection to that, that claim of making New Zealand ungovernable? Oh, well, no, for, for me, I, I'm, I'm fine. People can stand on whatever policy they want. Uh, the reason I, I pointed out people who were with them or who thought like them or who sympathised with them is for voter transparency. I want to know if someone I vote for has views that I think are nutty. Um, that that seems totally fair to me. There was one candidate who's, who's all of her material did seem particularly nutty. We thought that maybe that her her election material was written by a, a um, focus group of five year olds. With the was it a hydra slide from the top of Signal Hill? I, 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 to be fair, did not read. A, I mean, you know straight away what what, but. I don't want to sound gaslighty, but now the election's over, and, and not specifically for this candidate, but just looking overall, I, I think possibly we need to have a conversation about how we talk about candidates with obvious mental issues. And I'm not saying they shouldn't participate in democracy, and there's, but how, how do we deal with that? I, I don't know, I, but I, I think it's an important discussion point. Do you think that they, we should lower the voting age? Ultimately, uh, yes, obviously. Like The younger you are, the more vested interest you, you have in, in decisions that politicians make. But obviously there's a point where someone is, isn't making a um, – it's like giving consent. There's a point where, you know, you're a child and, and – you know, just in your box here. But I, I, I would have no problem with it being lowered to 16. That seems perfectly reasonable for me. And I think that that might help engage people because they, they could be engaged while they're still at school. So it could be connected okay. to learning. And whether they can vote or not at school, is, that to me is not... I'm not going to die on a hill over the seven, sixteen. It's not going to change any result. But beyond a doubt, we need to do civics education in New Zealand. I, I it, it is when you and I grew up at school, we, we got what I thought was a low level of civics education, but we we got some, and and, and you know, that, and I assumed that the education system had built on that, but it hasn't. Uh, Kids today get less than the inadequate information we got, so it's no surprise there's a lack of understanding or engagement. It, to, to me, I mean, I mean, sure, there's difficulties doing that in an unbiased way, but it's still an outrage that we don't do it. I and mean, part of a democracy is people making informed choices. Do we teach critical thinking? Do we need to get better at that? Oh, uh, yes, <laughs> that should be a high school subject. <laughs> It's not even a degree subject really now, unless you pick the right degree. People now 
criticism as saying the opposite of what the government's saying, no matter what they say. You know, that that's like, no, the opposite. That, that's, oh my God. People equate being critical with being negative. Oh, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and, and that has been a terrible decline. <laughs> I did, there's, yeah, critical analysis, totally. I, I think that's a no-brainer that, that's taught at high school and university. Let's take the second of your music choices. I'm playing them in a different order because we're going with God Save the Queen. Why this one? Well, uh, it'd be a bit rude of me not to suitably mark the occasion there, wouldn't it? <laughs> he said cheekily in a John Lydon sort of way before he went to Man. We never pray. 
think our system of democracy works? And do you think there's a better way of doing it? And if so, what does that look like? Well, ultimately, uh, it depends how you define works. I mean, it works in a rough sort of a way, but I'm ultimately not a supporter of representative democracy. I think that's never as democratic as direct democracy by definition. And I'm an anarcho-syndicalist, so, you know, everyone should get to make their own choices much more than they do. And if we give people that choice and they don't accept responsibility for the consequence of the choice, what happens then? I, you'd have to give me an example. I, I, I mean, you wouldn't do it overnight, you, you'd, you know, and I don't know the answer of how you get there. Like, you know, many socialists and communists don't know how to achieve the, the, the bumpy road to utopia. But once you're there, people have a vested interest in not being dicks. It, for me, it's as simple as that. So how, in a system like that, how would we manage our infrastructure? Like, you know, like the, the fresh water at the tap and the, and the wastewater taken away and a roading system that works because ours currently doesn't. Like, how does all of that work if there isn't that representative democracy that, that, um, that, that all sits at a table, a small group that sits at the table to keep the wheels turning? You, you, you can still have big organisations they just need, for me, to be less hierarchical, where uh, the decisions towards our roading priorities are not made by, as it was in the 80s, you know, six white guys sitting in cabinet in Wellington, but it's made by a, a proper collective decision of, of lots of groups around the countries all make their decisions. And, you know, they can have representatives that, that take their opinions to whoies and, 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 you know, make decisions there, but uh, not just six people who get the be or one end all say that's just bollocks and and i and i've got a bit of a i've got a, th- a sort of a question growing in my mind um that i'd like to have a, a wider conversation with the community about which is when we have just had elections how is it okay that the that the two people who have taken um the seats especially on our regional council spent around thirty thousand dollars promoting themselves and in it, unless you had that kind of money, you had zero chance of actually being able to do it. So how is that fair? Like, how 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 can we create a more fair system? That that's utter bollocks. Uh, I, I and we have uh, we we have introduced things over the last little while to kind of equalise that, but not not remotely enough. I like, uh, and that, that's one of the tough questions for me. People are like. Oh my God! This this councillor got his plastic hoardings burnt down, and I'm like, well, I mean, that's a bit rude, vandalising someone's personal property. But you know, if they had thirty grand to spend versus someone who has nothing, then you know, I couldn't care less if they're burnt down. So it's it's all kind of relative, and, and definitely, I, I think the rules need to change to more fairly make it a flat playing field. A- a- absolutely, but. The big problem comes in, and the only way to do that effectively is have elections that are, that are funded by the state. I have no problem with that. That, that to me, is giving money for people to let people have informed choice. But lots of people are like, oh, my God, you candidates, taxpayers' money to go and tell. Oh, no, geez, it's, a, it's an outrage. So I, until we get, get over that, I, I think we, we can't combat I mean, we should try and we should do everything we can to, to minimise the effect. But I think until we do that, 
we, we can't totally negate the effect that, that money buys you more audience. Is there a way that we can do that? Like, if we if we actually did, for by some miracle, convince the community that actually all elections should be taxpayer and uh, taxpayer funded, and there is a formula for how you may run your election, um, billboards this size, flyers this size, distributed this way. Like, is that how it looks? How does it look? Uh, so. If it were up to me, I, I would do it um, whereby uh, the, the the authority running the election would say, oh, it's a bit hard because everyone has to accept that this is how they want to advertise in a multimedia world that things are different. But in a traditional world, the, the, the authority would say, right, we, we're going to spend $30,000 on newspaper ads, 20000 on radio ads, and 10000 on leaflets or, or whatever numbers. And we say every candidate gets a twelfth of that if there's twelve candidates, plain and simple. And there's no other, you know, uh, no, no other campaigning on top of that other than working your own network. Wow, that would be that would be a really interesting outcome, wouldn't it? I, it would have to be intelligently run, but sure. And and you know, I'm sure people would find ways to try and get round the side of it. But if that's their intelligence rather than a big pocket, then ah, I can live with that. Hmm. A system that is based on what's fair, that gives everybody the opportunity instead of rewarding wealth. I know fairness and equality. What radical talk! <laughs> Amazing, eh? It's All right. Outrage. So how do we make that so? What's the process? Uh, well, it's, I guess, probably a slow iteration of, of where we've been heading. Like, the, the rules on now spending on, on, like, you have to account for everything you spend on a campaign, and interest groups have to a- account for that. And that's, it's a bit onerous in that, like, groups who can't afford a lawyer to say, you know, the poor little Polytech Students Association can't afford a lawyer to say, can I tell all our candidates to not vote for person who sucks and that still advantages well like it absolutely still does I, i've been at the receiving end of that but um heading that way is a good start we, we're wealth plays less of a factor than it did but we still have to totally get over that speed bump of, of making it state funded that's the only way it can ever be to my mind truly equal unless we say right everyone only gets to spend the smallest amount of money that the the, can, the poorest candidate has and, and I, I can't see that being practical. No, no, because some candidates wouldn't have anything to spend at all. Or it could be it could be somehow sliced that if you put in five thousand, then half of that got taken off you, oh, given yeah, given out. Model bloody labour sender, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Okay, I have some questions to end the show. We've asked you these before, but we're going with them anyway. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Uh, it's still totally that uh, succulent garden. I, I think, yeah, it is really coming along nicely. And um, luckily, because uh, I, I'm still not socialising with people indoors, so I, I have a nice garden to have some some beers or a cup of tea with my buddies in my lovely succulent and cactus garden. Uh, no, uh, and obviously Baxter's Lefty Progressive Guide to Councillors was a bit of a success. I, I think looking at the results, I, you'd be hard to to say there's not been a correlation. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's your superpower, but what is your superpower? Oh, yeah, superpower. Is, is it still cynicism? <laughs> I, 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 he, he said cynically, 
yeah, no, still cynicism, obviously. So maybe this is an obvious one, but do you consider yourself to be an activist? Uh, well, I, yes, a- absolutely, because I, as, as I said, it's everyone's duty to be, but I, I guess it depends how you define it. It's less active putting out a list saying, hey, these are the people I, in my opinion, are good. Uh, is that activism? I, I, it's organising, and I think organising is always important. It's, it is the, the fundamental tool in class warfare is organising. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, yeah, well, uh, probably nothing tomorrow morning. Now, now that this election's over, I'm probably going to have a very long lion. <laughs> <laughs> and the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Oh, that's a good question. That is, that is still vehicle-related. I've still got several broken vehicles that uh, need, need to be sorted. But I have moved further into scooters, which are not only much more environmental than taking a big old car into town that you you don't need to take into town, but they're fun. I love them. <laughs> oh, you're awesome. Are we going to get you on an electric bike? Oh, well, maybe. I, 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 I was quite annoyed uh, when Labour announced the subsidies on EVs and, and they were on, you know, uh, only on cars. And, and, and I understand, you know, only richer people can afford cars, but it's like, hey, there are EVs that poor people can buy and I would buy a good electric bike and being fat and into Dean, I need a good one, like a, a two grand one, I, I will kill it. It's a waste of money. But, and I would use that as my, my primary vehicle and uh, I understand since they may have put the subsidy on to, to, to electric bikes, so I'm, I'm totally going to chase that out. Do you have any advice for our listeners? Uh, yeah, I did. Keep left. Will do. Moera. Mark, um, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You are an extraordinary person, and you, the, your value to the community is just, we're so lucky to have you. Thank you for all that you do, for the difference that you keep making, and please don't stop. We appreciate Lee, you. I disagree. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't even joke. There's no accounting for some people's tastes. <laughs> Uh, no, absolutely. Thank you. And um, should uh, you know, I ever be socialising uh, without a mask, yeah, we'll, we'll catch up when you're in Dunedin sometime. I'd really like that. Thank you.
been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. We had a competition today from Tahu McKenzie, but this is Dead Kennedys. Cesspool in Eden. I'm Samuel in Sawyer's Bay in Eden with Wawera Karatai in Fakatani and from Baxter's Lefty Guide to Voting in the Dunedin Election. Have a nice day. We've had Mark Baxter. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.